Are you guys ready for the Word of God this morning? Yeah, all right. Actually, there's a, a, an anointing on that song this morning, wasn't there? Our God is mighty to save. We serve a God who is mighty to save. Jesus conquered the grave. I, I love that. All right, uh, this morning, I, I want to preach to you and pick up a, a word that Pastor Mike brought to the church very early on in this year, and it was a word to the church, and it was a challenge to the church, it was out of, out of uh, Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 2. Isaiah 54 and verse 2, and it says, Enlarge the place of your tent, and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. God has been speaking to us corporately and individually about our need to expand, our need to stretch, our need to enlarge, our need to grow. God has been speaking to us on that. And actually, that's a word that has been coming through the church uh, again and again over a number of years and was brought to us again this year as a, uh, a prophetic word for us to, to uh, lay hold of. And then when Jeff Jansen was here in the middle of the year, how many of you got to see Jeff Jansen? Yeah, you enjoy Jeff? All right. When Jeff Jansen was here, he spoke to the church and again brought a prophetic word saying that we're at the top of the ladder or the top of the game and what got us to here would not get us to the next level. So God is calling us, God is calling you and I, God is calling us individually and corporately to grow and take on to the next level. But what does that look like? What does it look like? You see, the next level is not a destination. It's not a place that you reach and then you set up camp there. The next level is like the next step in your growth. It's the next movement in your, in your uh, journey of faith. It's moving from your current spiritual experience to a greater measure of faith, a greater connection with God, a greater spiritual reality. That's what it is. It's about progress instead of stagnation. It's about expansion rather than contraction. It's about enlargement rather than, than uh, confinement. You see, the next level is about impacting our families, our marriages, our businesses, our schools, our finances, our work. It's the more that we're talking about when we say, I want more of God. I want more of what he has for me. How many of you want more of God in your life? All right, so this morning I'm going to preach about taking your life to the next level. Taking your life to the next level. And the exciting part about this is, is that as believers in Jesus Christ, because the kingdom of God is within you, you can expect, it is normal expected for your life to grow. It is normal and expected for your life to go to the next level. It is not normal for you to stagnate. You see, the kingdom of God has within it a characteristics, which is expansion and growth. And that kingdom dwells within you. Someone say amen. amen. All right, so that's your prophetic destiny. But if that is your destiny, how is it that so many people stagnate and get stuck in their walk with God? That's because there is a part that God plays and a part that you play in this. You see, if we don't do anything with the prophetic word, we will be inspired, we'll be entertained, but fundamentally we won't be changed. There is something 
that we must do. We must act upon the prophetic word if it's to have any effect on our lives. So this morning, I'm going to give you four keys to taking your life to the next level. Are you ready for that? Yeah? All right. So we're going to look at this three passages of Scripture uh, that I want to look at. And I've got a hum in this uh, monitor here. If uh, Andrew, if you can knock that out for me, I'd be really grateful. Um, so turn with me in your Bible to First Chronicles. That's great. First Chronicles chapter 4. Now many of you will already know this Scripture. It's become famous as the prayer of Jabez. And I love this Scripture because it vibrates, resonates with the spirit of faith. It's powerful. It's about a man who lays hold of God. And it says in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, it says that, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. And if those of you who know the story, they might know that Jabez means pain. So I don't know what sort of uh, malicious, vindictive, twisted up mother Jabez had to call him pain. But thank God I didn't have a mother like that and you didn't have a mother like that, eh? Because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would, would uh, would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. The first key to taking your life to the next level is to develop a God-centered ambition. A God-centered ambition. You see, there's two kinds of ambition. There is a self-centered ambition. It's a self-centered drive for fame, for fortune, for power, so that you can use it for your own selfish needs. It's about getting glory for you. That's what selfish ambition is. It results in manipulating, politicking, and using others as stepping stones to get ahead. Now, that's part of the human nature. And as Christians, we're told to put that thing off our lives. But then there's another ambition, another burning drive. It's a God-centered ambition. A God-centered ambition is to do something great for God. It's to... Uh, to uh, a desire to achieve. It's a desire to, uh, to seek God's glory. It might involve fame. It might involve fortune or power, but its purpose is to bring glory to God. Now, Jabez, he had a God-centered ambition. He had a God-centered ambition. He desired to do something great for God. He prayed for the blessing and favor of God on his life. He prayed that his life would be expanded, that his territory would be expanded. That's a great prayer. He, pray, he prayed that prayer knowing that it would give him, bring both wealth and influence. Now, some people don't even believe that God wants to bless them. This guy before, many, many years before Jesus Christ, knew that God fundamentally wanted to bless his life, and he wasn't afraid to pray, regardless of his circumstances, that God would bless him. How do I know that this was a God-centered ambition and not a selfish ambition? First of all, it was big. It was big. Bless me, but not just bless me a little. Bless me a whole lot. Do you dare to pray, God bless me, and bless me a whole lot. I'm not content to have a little blessing. I want a lot of blessing. 
It's all right to pray like that. In fact, it's good to pray with that. God calls this man honorable. That is the prayer of an honorable man. God bless me. You see, how do I know that this was a God-centered ambition? It's because he acknowledged and looked to God for his source. He said, God, that you would do this for me, that your hand would be with me. He acknowledged the power behind it. How else do I know that this was a God-centered ambition? He said, God, keep me from evil. I don't want to be involved in this manipulation or grabbing for myself. You keep me from evil. And God, that I wouldn't cause pain in the lives of others. You see, for, God, for this, God called Jabez honorable. And he gave him a unique position of honor in the scriptures. Unique. Absolutely unique. You see, if you want to take your life to the next level, you need a God-centered ambition, a drive that propels you to advance and to expand. It's not a godly quality to have no ambition in life. It's not a godly quality. No ambition is called laziness or complacency. The many Christians make the mistake of this and their, and their desire to root out and to take over, uh, to uh, cast out selfish ambition in life, they go to a religious extreme of squashing all ambition. That is not a godly attitude. A godly attitude, that's the kind of godly, that's the kind of attitude that plunged the whole world into the dark ages because the church withdrew into monasteries and nunneries and places where, where they kept to themselves and they had no ambition other than to crucify themselves. Their effort was and to, uh, to crucify their own lives. They crucified the very life of Christ within them as well. They, they didn't live with a godly ambition. Do you have a God-centered ambition this morning that drives and propels your life? Do you have that that burns within you, the desire to do something great for God? You see, it might be to establish a business that pumps thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars into world missions or local missions. It might be to run for a local body or, or national government. Do you have a godly ambition that propels your life? It might be to be the top performing athlete in your school or top performing uh, student in your school. It might be to advance to a top position of management within your company. It may be to establish a ministry that touches and transforms thousands of lives. It might be as a mother like Susanna Wesley to plant the seeds of revival in the hearts and lives of your children that would see revival take over in the next generation. But do you have a godly ambition that burns within your heart and your life. If you don't, it's time to rethink your life. You see, a self of selfish ambition is not an option. But an, no ambition is a cop-out. A God-centered ambition will take your life to the next level. Tell the person next to you, fire up some God-centered ambition in your life. I just love that scripture of, of Jabez. Every time, you know, I've read that so many times, but every time I pick it up, it's like, wow. This is, it contains within it the, the spirit of faith. It's awesome. Okay, so let's take a look at uh, 
uh, and the next key to taking your life to the next level. Turn with me in your Bible to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. We're going to skip over a, uh, a number of uh, different passages this morning. But Joshua chapter 1. And Joshua chapter 1, and Jer- the book of Joshua itself, marks a major transition in the life of the nation of Israel. Moses had been used by God to lead the people of Israel for, for over 40 years. He had outstanding miracles as he had delivered the nation of Israel. God had delivered the nation of Israel, but used him to lead the nation of Israel out, out, out of Egypt, led them out of Egyptian slavery, and God had spoken to Moses face to face. And then Moses had spoken to the people on God's behalf. He had led and shepherded the people for 40 years. And now the nation stood on the brink of the promised land, on the brink of the fulfillment of prophecy that had been spoken out hundreds of years beforehand. They're standing right there. And then the leadership baton is passed from Moses onto Joshua. And Moses dies. So as a leader, Joshua is stepping into a whole new level of living. So what does God say to Joshua? And again, I love this in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1 and 2. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Moses, my servant, is dead. There's no subtlety in that, is there? It's like, wham! It is a a verbal slap to get your attention. You see, the people have had their funeral. They've grieved the loss of Moses. And God steps in and says, all right, now Moses is dead. Get over it. Pick yourself up. Get yourself together, and let's get moving. We've got work to do. I I love that. It's straight shooting. There's no beating around the bush with that at all. It's like, get it together. Uh, As a pastor, I take courage in this because, you know, there's there's times that we have to deliver Moses' dead messages to people or get over it messages to people, and and you can sometimes be accused of being harsh or unpastoral. So uh, this gives me great courage in, in, uh, in those instances. Okay, because the truth is, is that if you want to take your life to the next level, there's some things that you need to get over. There's some stuff that you need to be, get, leave behind. The next step or the second key to taking your life to the next level is leave the past behind. Leave the past behind. Moses is dead. Moses is dead. There are things that you can do with the past and things that you can't do with the past. The one thing you can't do with the past is you can't change it. You can't change it. No amount of tears, no amount of guilt, no amount of regret, no amount of anxiety or condemnation is going to change history. The past is the past. You can't change it. But there's some things that you can do with the past. On the negative side, you can drag the past into your present and future by continuing to relive it now. Now, Many people get stuck here. They let their past contaminate contaminate their present and their future because they drag it with them. Instead of getting the help they need, they allow the past to dominate their lives and it robs them of what they have coming in God. 
You see, you can't drag the past into your present and future, but it's a bad option. You can deny the past and pretend that it hasn't had an impact on you, and plenty of people do that. The only problem with that is that as hard as you try, it sort of oozes out of you and touches the people around you, so as hard as you deny it, everyone knows that it's there. Yeah, that doesn't do any good either. Or you can do as God models it here for us. What did he model? You can acknowledge it. Moses is dead. This happened to me, and this was the impact. You can grieve the past. In the previous chapter of Deuteronomy 34, you see that the nation of Israel grieved for the past. It's healthy and right to grieve the past and loss. But that then empowers you to leave the past behind. It's the final step that enables you to enter into the next level of living. You can't take your life into the next level level, while you're dragging the past behind you. Acknowledge it, grieve it, and then leave it. Joshua and the nation of Israel did exactly that. They did exactly that. The rest of the book of Joshua records them walking into the next level of life. A whole new realm of favor and blessing with God. A whole new realm of adventure. What do we need to leave behind? We need to leave behind our past, our hurts, our losses, our failures. There's something else that we also need to leave behind. is our past successes. You know what? Your success yesterday does not guarantee your success today. I I've, uh, watched briefly last night, um, what is it, Ramsey's uh, Kitchen Nightmares or, or whatever. You know what? And uh, I, I watched this, this guy, and he had two problems. One was Chef Ramsey swearing at him in his kitchen. <laughs> and a second problem was that he was stuck in the past. He was living a, uh, a success that he had 20 years ago, Missing his current opportunities and going bankrupt. You need to leave the past behind, whether it's success or whether it's failure. So the attitude of leaving the past behind is so clearly demonstrated by the Apostle Paul. Again, I, I love this. You see, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he had to leave the past behind, both success and failure. See, Paul had been an outstanding success amongst his peers, outstanding he had also been a violent persecutor of the, of the church. He had to leave the past behind. And in Philippians chapter 3 and verses 13 to 14, if you got it in your Bibles, Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 to 14. I love this. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, or I haven't already got there, I haven't already arrived. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind And straining forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And there you have both a God-centered ambition to do something great for God and a desire to walk away from the past and leave it behind him. That man did great things with God because he embraced the whole attitude of next level living. Tell the person next to you, I'm leaving the past behind. 
Now, for many people, leaving the past behind is a, is a hard deal to do. Okay, it can be difficult. I, I acknowledge that this morning. And for some of you, there's traumatic stuff in your past that is hard to walk away from. I want, you need to talk with someone about that. Talk to your small group leader about that. Talk to your small group leader or your equipping track leader and say, I need some help on this. Would you pray with me through this? So that's, that's uh, granted. But acknowledge it, grieve it, leave it. All right. Let's look at one last scripture this morning. Turn with me in your Bible to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Okay, now this is the parable of the talents. And Jesus tells the story, starting in, in verse 14, he tells the story of how a man gives to each of his three servants a large sum of money. Each one was given a sum uh, according to their ability to use it. And then he went away. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. And then he went off. So let's pick it up at verse 16. It says, he would receive the five talents, went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he had received the five talents, came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I've made five talents more, as master said to him. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And also he who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Faithful over little, made ruler over much. These two servants took their lives to a whole new level. How did they do it? They did it by putting their talents to work for God. They did it by putting their talents to work for the master. Faithful with little. These servants were promoted to rule over much. And they gained the favor of their master. The third key to taking your life to the next level is to embrace your strengths and put them to work. Many of us are so focused on our weaknesses, we do not acknowledge our strengths, we do not focus on them, and we do not deploy them, and we become unproductive. These two servants entered into the next level of living because they embraced what they had. Each one of us, each one of us has a set of natural abilities, talents, gifts that have been entrusted by God. Think of these as strengths. Contained within each one of you are a unique set of giftings and strengths. There's no exceptions, every one of us. No exceptions. Each one of the servants in the parable was given something. Each one of them. At least one talent. So it is in life. There's no such thing as a talentless person. There's no such thing as a person without strengths. No such thing. Some people have more strengths than others. That's true. 
Some people are incredibly talented and strong in so many areas. But regardless of how many strengths you do or you don't have, know this, you do have strengths. Tell the person next to you, I've got some strengths. (laughs) Now, those strengths are entrustments from God to you. They're entrustments from God to you. And you need to know that God has an expectation that you will put those strengths to work. There's something else that you need to know. There is a day of accountability when God will ask you, what have you done with those strengths? What have you done with them? There's something else that you need to know. Is that there is a reward for those who put their strengths to work. And that reward takes your life to a whole new level. If you want your life to go to a next level, then embrace your strengths and put them to work. Embrace your strengths and put them to work. Someone say amen. Amen. Someone give the Lord a clap. Some of you will be familiar with the the name Eric Little. He was the great Scottish athlete uh, whose story was recorded in, in Chariots of Fire. Uh, He won the gold medal for the 400 meters in 1924 Olympics and set a world record. An incredible thing about this man is he was a devoted Christian. Uh, In fact, his key event was 100 meters. He didn't even want to do it because uh, even though he was pretty much a sure gold, uh, he was going to church on Sunday no matter what. And uh, I, I think that's an incredible attitude. But because of that, he went into another event, which wasn't his main event, won it and set a world record. And one of the things that Eric Little said was just an awesome quote. He said, I know that God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his, I feel God's pleasure. Isn't that awesome? You know, God made you for a purpose. Eric Little discovered what his strengths were, deployed them, and brought glory to God decades and decades later. His life was a living, his legacy goes on and on, well beyond his, his actual life. Actually, he went from there to living out the rest of his life, serving God as a, as a missionary in China. He died on, on the mission field. So if you want to take your life to the next level, don't neglect your strengths. Embrace them and put them to work. Embrace them and put them to work. There's one last key I want to speak to you about taking your life to the next level this morning. And that's to upgrade your understanding of who God really is. Upgrade your understanding of who God really is. And it's important that you don't miss this. You see, I know many of you will be thinking right here, say, I know God, I've been, I've been a Christian for, for 50 years. I went to confirmation, I was baptized, and da 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 But I don't want you to miss this. Because what I've found is, is that it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, you can have some distorted views of God that cause your life to be unproductive. Upgrade your thinking on God. You see, there were three servants in this parable. All three of those servants knew the master. They recognized him. They knew who he was. But two recognized him as a rewarder. And they happily served him and were productive. What about the third? What happened to him? 
You see, the third servant was given one talent. And he ran off and buried his talent. Why on earth would this man do something so ridiculous? Why would he behave in such a foolish way? His motivation is found in his understanding of the master. That's his motivation. If you look in that uh, parable in Matthew 25, in verses 24 to 28, and it says that, Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. His motivation was found in his understanding of the master. He saw his master as a hard and unfair man. And that understanding caused him to act out of fear and bury the very thing that was meant to be for his blessing and earned him the rebuke of lazy and wicked. Now, I've been surprised how deep this lie runs in the heart of so many people. This servant is not unique. I've been surprised at how many people who love God and serve him to the best of their ability still carry this lie within them, and it stops them from reaching out to the next level in God. It's a lie that most commonly affects people who have had had bad experiences with their father, but not only. It goes way wider than that. And the lies are many and varied, but they all cover these basic themes. The cover, God wants to hold good things back from you. He doesn't really want to bless you. That's an outstanding thing about Jabez in his prayer. He knew that God wanted to bless him. He knew it. It comes in another form. It says that God wants to take good things away from you. Another form is is that God cannot be fully trusted. And yet another one. God causes bad things to happen to you so that you can be a better person. Ah, you know, eh? Yeah. Now, none of us would put our hands up and say, yeah, I've got that lie in my heart. Okay? None of us would say that. But you hear it in the words that people speak. How How would you know that one of these lies has a root in your heart? How would you know? If it's in your heart, It'll spill out your mouth sooner or later in the words you speak. It'll also show in your prayers where you don't dare to ask God for the things that you want or need, or you don't persist in prayer because fundamentally you don't believe that God will answer you. You see, the thing with those lies is is that every one of them is a characteristic of the devil, and the devil loves to twist and put his character and make it as an accusation of God. God's not like that. Can I have the band, please, this morning? See, the truth is, is that God is entirely good. God is entirely good. There is nothing evil or dark about God. Nothing, no shadow, no darkness. The truth is, is that God is completely loving. The truth is, is that God is light. And in Him, there's no darkness at all. And if you want to take your life, if you want to take your life to the next level, you need to upgrade 
your understanding of who God is. How many of you want to experience a new level of living this morning? How many of you are in that's burning in your heart this morning? Then develop a God-centered ambition. Leave the past behind. Embrace your strengths and put them to work. And upgrade your understanding of who God is. You see, the truth is, is that taking your life to the next level and experiencing the kind of life that I'm talking about this morning is impossible without surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. Right now, I want every head bowed, every eye closed. And I want to speak to two groups of people this morning, right now. Some of you have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You may have come from a Christian home, but you've never made a commitment yourself. Every head bowed, every eye closed. That may be you this morning. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Some of you are backslidden. You're a long way from God, and you know it. You may be known as a Christian, but you're living a long way from God this morning. See, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ showed and demonstrated His love for you by stepping out of heaven, revealing who God is, and then dying on the cross. His blood was spilled. His blood was spilled out to pay our debt, the debt of your sin and my sin. By dying, by, by dying on the cross, once and for all, Jesus Christ paid for your sin and for mine. But it didn't end there. Three days later, He rose from the dead, conquering sin and death. He conquered the grave. And He's alive today. And one day, each one of us will stand before Him and give an account of our lives. Will you surrender your life to Him this morning? You see, you can choose not to. You can say, I'm going on life my own way. But you've got to know that when you pass from this life into the next, there's only one place for you. That's a place called hell. Or you can surrender your life this morning to Jesus Christ and step into a whole new level of living. If that's you this morning, while every head is bowed, while every eye is closed, I want you to raise your hand this morning. Say, Pastor, I want to give my heart to the Lord. I see you. I see you there. Anyone else? This morning, if there's anyone here who says, I want to receive Jesus Christ. I want to receive Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning, don't wait around. See another one there. Right. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. As the church stands, I want you to come on up to the front and this church is going to clap and, and, and cheer and shout for your decision this morning. And I want to pray with you. So I want you to come forward to me. Okay, everyone, let's all stand up. There's people who put their hands up. If you've got a friend with you, bring them on up with you. Come on up, men. Come on up. Come on up. Come on, church. Let's give them a big clap. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. 
fantastic decision. Hallelujah. Right now, guys, I'm going I'm to leave you, lead you in a prayer. And that prayer is a prayer of surrender. There's just a, a friend behind you who will uh, talk to you afterwards. And uh, hey, thank God. There's another one. Good to see you, man. What's your name? Okay. All right. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and I want you to pray with me. The whole church will pray with you at the same time. So I'm going to pray. I want you to say the words. So let's go, eh? Jesus, I come to you tonight, uh, this morning. Lord, I confess that I've been a sinner. I've lived life my own way. Today I'm choosing to surrender my life to you. I ask that you would forgive me my sins. That you would come into my life. That I would be a child of God. Thank you that you receive me, Jesus. Thank you that you love me. Thank you, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. People, I want you to just clap and uh, I'm going to pray for these people. Thank you. thank you, Jesus. Father, right now we thank you for each one of these lives today, Lord God. We ask, Lord God, for a release of your supernatural life in them. We ask, Lord God, Lord God, that you would do a work in their hearts and lives today, Lord God. We thank you that you receive them. Lord God, that you make them new, that they are born again by your Spirit. So, Father, let your anointing touch their lives today, Lord God, that they would know like they would know like they would know that today everything has been made new. Come on, church, let's give them a great big clap. Hallelujah. Red here is going to help you. And uh, so just if you follow him, he's going to talk with you and pray with you. There's people behind you. And uh, church, let's worship God this morning. Let's celebrate. And let's take on the next level with God. Amen.